Hello and welcome back to The Philosophy Guy. So today I'm going to discuss death, which you could probably tell by the title of Denying Death, and kind of humans' unique comprehension of it, how our kind of unique perspective in the animal kingdom and how we as humans have this unique perspective of death, or so at least that's what we kind of know of so far. Uh, And I'll be using Ernest Becker, the cultural anthropologist, philosopher, and psychologist, kind of perspective on this to kind of help the discussion and, and think about this in a hopefully interesting way and thoughtful way and helpful way for for your life. So I'm going to start off, it's going to start off with a little bit, I would say gloomy, with the intention of kind of building you back up to a feeling of hope. At least that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. So my point is, please stick around for the entire episode to kind of allow me to explain the lessons from understanding for understanding this death, because in the beginning, it's going to kind of kind of really try to make you self-aware of this, this idea of death and what it is to be finite, and then hopefully kind of give you a feeling of hope and kind of the way we, the way we approach death, how this is actually a good thing, and us being self-aware of it can help us in kind of just a feeling of meaning in life, happiness, and kind of decreasing suffering, all that good stuff. So as always, before we get right into it, I want to thank uh, thank you for listening, and as always, please check out the Patreon page to check out the bonus episode feed. I think I have 13 or 14 episodes up there now, so you can go check those out if you want more content. Uh, check out the YouTube, like, subscribe, review, or like, subscribe, comment, and all that good stuff there. Uh, join the Discord. All the stuff is in the links below. Join the Discord to kind of keep the discussion going, and you can also recommend certain stuff or give me thoughts and feedback, all that good stuff. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes. What else can we do to help support? Um, yeah, join the email list as well. That will kind of keep you up to date with everything that's going on with the Philosophy Guy, the YouTube channel, and the publication, A Philosopher's Stone. So do that, and you can really help me out and kind of keep my obsession going. But uh, let's get back to the show. So death. Death is this challenge facing all of us, right? We all kind of agree that currently death is facing all of us. We're not we're not, we're not getting super close to immortality. But humans, as humans, we have this strange comprehension, comprehension, unlike other animals, of this finite nature of our existence. We have the awareness that we are being hunted by the reality of death, the end, the finite. Contemplating our finite nature, it, it can shake the foundations we choose to live by every day, the loops we are in. The, the decisions we make, the life we try to build for ourselves. It calls into doubt our sense of meaning and purpose. And, and the, the reason I bring this up is it's, it's almost like, okay, let's say you don't wholeheartedly accept the afterlife, right? If you don't wholeheartedly, even if you're skeptical, even if you don't know for sure, that thought still goes in your mind. Like, what if, what if it's the end? And even if you're doing that, you are, this is, hopefully this episode's for you. So this, this, even this, this doubt, this sense of possibility that it's the end, you don't even have to be, like I said, wholeheartedly saying, oh, yep, it's finite, it's the end, I don't believe in the afterlife. You can just be questioning. This questioning can bring you that experience of existential dread that we've grown fearful of. And it seems our generation, the millennial generation at least, and even the generation that's coming up behind the millennials, they kind of have this feeling a little bit more. So it's kind of like, how, how do you deal with that feeling, that reality? But interesting, after we work through that dread, we can kind of find ourselves with some sort of inner peace. But this isn't the case for everyone. But maybe, 
in our pursuit of understanding death, we should look to understand ourselves in a new way. So like I said, Ernest Becker kind of has a good, I think I found an interesting perspective on this in a way to kind of cope with this and understand this and think about this. So he wrote The Denial of Death that put forward the idea that humans' foundation, foundational method for formulating belief is our conscious awareness of death. So here's a quote from him. Man cannot endure his own littleness unless he can translate it into meaningfulness on the largest possible scale. So you see, Becker believes the existential dread that overcomes humans is too much. Our understanding that we will die and those we love around us will die too. It's too much to bear for our existence and our understanding. So thus, faced with death, faced with this reality of our finite nature, humans try to deny it and attempt to deny it. A uniting cultural trait across the world, not saying all cultures do that, but all cultures kind of do it in their own unique way maybe, and they hold certain traits that are unique, but they hold cultural traits across the world that are kind of shared is this denial of death through this formulation of narratives to create meaning for our lives. But we must understand the mental realm we've reached that has brought upon our problem with death. Our conscious ability to be to be self-aware of the cosmos, you know, plan complex ideas and the creation of, of beautiful art. They've all been, been used in some way to understand the universe while simultaneously bringing us face to face with our finite nature. So every day we stare death in the face and either... You know, we, 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 we take it on in laughter, joy, but also sometimes we just have this feeling of dread. That, that biological mind that we have allows us to think endlessly into the future. Yet that ability also <laughs> allows us to think about the future death that is, that is standing at the, end, at the end zone, basically. The end line, the finish line. It's it. That's done. So yet the natural world we live in, surrounding us everywhere we turn, and 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 hurtling reminders at us from Scott the from the sky, earth, and constantly reminding us the end is coming, right? So I imagine this little voice saying, The end is coming, the end is coming, over and over again. And sometimes that reminder just can't get out of our minds. I feel like a lot of us have experienced this, right? See, we see death, we fear death, and we have a problem with death. So what do we do? when we face those those three things right there we deny death we tell ourselves no no this this can't be death death can't be the end why would i have all these thoughts these ambitions these ideas the feelings that, that i have this all of this that i've created around myself the i that is me what what is the purpose of all this that i is part of the universe so if death ends it just it just can't be the end That's the thought process we go through. But Becker contends that this understanding of the universe is something we cannot overcome. And that's why we formulate this denial. We we are left asking ourselves, if death is the end, what is the purpose of all that I'm doing? What is the purpose of this? You get this state of existential dread, this sense of lack of meaning. So it's... It's not the fear of death that is truly hard for us. It's the fear of the insignificance of everything we do. It's it's the fear that the grand scheme, the, the speck of dust that is us, is in the end meaningless. And it's something that once you accept that reality, you must now find a way to overcome it and expand upon it. 
So the, the fear that the universe doesn't give a fuck about what we do. So let's let's analyze, you know, what is this death's illusions idea that I that I, I talked about and Becker mentioned. So as our biological makeup has granted us access to a unique mental realm of understanding death, we use this realm to create our own reality to live in. We create grand illusions to operate through life with. We use these these human created illusions to bring our lives a sense of meaning and purpose. Now think about this. Think about a person you've admired in your life. Maybe a celebrity, a thinker, an athlete, sibling, relative, parent, whoever it is. Whoever it is that you've admired in your life. And, And this can be someone that's changed and come and gone or you've admired in the past. Just someone you've admired. We've all done it. It's like an inevitable thing that we do. Now, have any of them ever presented you with a version of their perspective on what they think life ought to be, what it is to be good, how to live life, the meaning of life, life's purpose, all that good stuff, that sort of thing? I'm sure at some point you've at least heard someone's perspective on that, right? So if you imagine multiple people you've admired, you begin to realize all of them have their own perspectives on life and meaning and all that stuff. Sure, they might share some values, but in a way, their perspectives on this idea of life are unique or different in some way from one another. They don't perfectly align and match up, right? They have different values maybe or stuff like that. So the thing is, those people you decided decided to admire, those ideas that maybe you've decided to follow in some way or, or take and make it your own, those ideas that you admire or embraced probably came from someone else's perspectives on life. You see, we decided to follow one person's illusions and then when something new, fresh, and interesting comes up, we begin, we begin following that instead. And sometimes we follow the ideas of people from things that don't even involve their ideas, such as the sound of their voice. We choose to follow them not because we're like, wow, you know, that idea they have on life is really good. No, we were just kind of persuaded by the sound of their voice or something they wear. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it could be a combination of the things like, oh, their, their ideas were decent. Right, right. Those ideas are, oh, those are pretty good. I, I see where you're going with that. But then, you know, you're just really persuaded by their whole other side of their appeal. The So you take on their identity and maybe you latch on to certain parts of their identity and try to make it your own in some way. So you then begin to realize, after you've accepted this, everyone is trying to sell you on their formula of life in some way. I guess I'm doing it in some way through this podcast and through the content I create. I'm trying to sell you on the ideas that I found interesting and I found helpful. And I'm like, hey, maybe you will find them helpful too. Maybe you will find them interesting. So in a way, I am I am doing the very thing I'm talking about today. And it's maybe it's my own way of coping with death. And it's my own illusion I've formulated that I've decided that this illusion is good for me in some way. So we gather information about illusions, ideals, perspectives, and values to follow. And then we pledge allegiance to various chambers of ideals that unite around something or someone. And we pledge allegiance to different degrees, of course, as well. Um, so we are being sold someone else's identity that they've created for themselves, claiming their their identity of life has it all figured out, right? They, they, they have it figured out. You should be following them because you know they have it all figured out the best. So... And, and why and why do they try to sell you? That that's the question. Like, why would people have this this ego 
to them that would want you to sell them on it. And like I said, I'm doing it to an extent as well. And I think there's degrees of, of ways people do it. And, and we can discuss which ones are good or bad or whatever. But the point is, why, why would they still try to sell you on it? Like, what is the purpose of that? So if you embrace this, this admirers or someone you admire their identity and make it yours, you get this, they get this piece of a, a, a feeling that a piece of them lives on. It's an opportunity for the ego of another to live on in the life of someone else. It's kind of, it's this, this indirect denial of death in the hope of some sort of immortality. You see, we seek illusions to follow. So we come face to face with these illusions every day from our politics, religion, various philosophies, and the arts, all used to bring us a feeling of significance and deny death another day. So I got another quote to kind of help help the discussion from Ernest Becker. So people create the reality they need in order to discover themselves. And that's kind of the, the foundational point here. They create the reality. They combine various illusions to create their reality they live in, a, re- a unique reality for each individual. So at this point, you might be feeling the doom and gloom of this reality we face. But... We should use this understanding as an opportunity to recognize the illusions each of us as individuals choose to live by and constantly kind of, you know, reevaluating those illusions we choose to live by. And that this is something that I've done myself. So this is something I'm still working on. As you all know, if, if I have kind of listeners that have come back and listened, you know that I'm constantly trying to reevaluate my values and my beliefs and all that stuff and reexamine. And this is the one way I found that I think is helpful to do so. It's kind of this acceptance of death and then the acceptance of the illusions and then evaluating the illusions you choose to live by and which ones are helpful and which ones are harmful. We all have to continually do this. But the point is you have to at first recognize that they are illusions. The, the identity that you create for yourself is not set in stone. It's changeable. It's in a flux. You, the ego you create around you is in a state of flux. And in that way, you can try to kind of continue to reevaluate the illusions you live by. And by reevaluating those illusions, you give yourself the opportunity to, to kind of insert new ones that maybe will make you happier, feeling of more meaning, you know, better relationships, whatever it is, kind of this self-help side of philosophy and psychology that I'm hoping to kind of put forward here, right? So what are the lessons from our illusions is what I want to kind of transition into and get into now. So for one, we should acknowledge how we formulate our identity, the self, the ego, and the illusions we create. So within this illusion we create, you have you have a set of values, ideas, perspectives, and experiences. And in th- this part in this part of the podcast is kind of where I'm trying to build you back up with hope, right? Now, many want to take these illusions as this objectively true reality. Like my reality is the true reality. Everyone else is wrong if they disagree with me. I am objectively right. That's what people want to tell themselves. You know, sometimes I'm tempted to tell myself that, right? So for many individuals, the illusions have become our identity, the self, and ego. They've become their own unique means to cope with death and ultimately deny it in their own way. So the problem with these perceived attacks on our illusions becomes it becomes a personal attack on the identity we identify with. So as a society, we've made it a trend to oppose other values and ideals that don't fit the narrative of our own illusions. So 
So instead of criticizing the illusions we oppose, we say, you know, X is is wrong and is wrong because Y here, my illusion is right. So it's saying your illusion is wrong because mine is right and they can't, no way they can both be right, right? So the distinction between opposing and criticizing is this though. When you oppose something, it means you have a position in interest of your own you are trying to protect. Acting as though you must protect your illusions, justifications for beliefs, values, and ideas. So believing you must defend your chosen narrative by denying death. So you just feel like you have this extra stake in the game. And I want you to recognize what you're doing. Are you either opposing or criticizing? So instead, we should be criticizing. So by criticizing, we can just help ourselves kind of be less biased in our objections or criticisms of various illusions and then decide which one's the best. But why? So for what purpose? This identity you cling to is not a a necessity, is my point. If you accept the illusions as illusions, you realize you can embrace new ones or create your own. You don't need to accept your cultural programming. We need to recognize the defenses that have kind of formed in our minds that place us in our comfort zone that paradoxically sometimes makes us makes us miserable. The, the illusions we choose to live by sometimes brings us to this constant state of suffering. So do you ever get stuck in a loop in life that you, that you know is regressive, yet you can't seem to escape it? You tell yourself, this loop is just, it's just part of who you are. But if you recognize these defense mechanisms that tell us not to to expose ourselves, tell us not to stand out, that tells us to embed ourselves in the power structures of others, you're just in this constant state of, of rehashing what you've already known makes you miserable. Now, if you can recognize these mechanisms and decide if the illusions you've embraced are good or not, it changes things. But the purpose of being self-aware of them is to allow yourself to reflect on them. Decide if they are truly good for the identity you want to create for yourself and the goals you have and the meaning you want to find and the happiness and decreasing suffering, all that good stuff. That's what makes it important. And decide if they are helping you work towards a life of less suffering. So I'm proposing that we consider these values we hold so dear as an illusion. An illusion that blocks us from freeing ourselves. It's as though we create a belief system around ourselves as this kind of sort of security blanket, something to identify ourselves with, something we create while proclaiming to be certain of. So maybe maybe this is the reaction of our coming death. Our values and ideals become this become part of us that lives on. The values we want to protect become an illusion to give us a little immortality. It, it kind of kind of it's a mind operation for hope i guess you could say so the illusion get the illusions give us hope in defeating death the values we then follow become a power structure we live by it acts as a prison around ourselves to feel a sense of security because think about this when you face the illusion of your values ideals or your religion your mind begins to leap into a state of uncertainty and we don't like to be there uncertainty equals kind of this chaotic state we get and we get become fearful and and that's when the existential dread kicks in and when uncertainty is peaking right around the corner our date with death comes along for the ride these illusions are influenced by your environment though from society to where you grew up 
the family that raised you, and the group of friends you associate with. These, these create the I that you identify with. But the beauty in this is that the I that is you, that you've created for you, is changeable. If you don't find purpose or meaning in the I that you currently have, you can seek a new grand illusion to live by. And it's great. <laughs> like once you recognize that these are illusions and you're not stuck in one, you're like, oh, I, I can go create a new one. But the first step is recognizing those illusions. That's the only way that you can move past them. You find illusions that are better equipped to deal with our biological reality, or maybe more accurately, your biological reality. Because each one of us, even in the pursuit of choosing your own illusions, we choose various illusions because our genetic biological makeup is is different. You know, our emotions react differently. Our personality reacts differently. Our bodies react differently. The feelings of them, those feelings of emotions, right? That's why we have to kind of choose illusions for our own unique way because we are all uniquely different. It's the illusions that truly bring you a sense of meaning and purpose in the face of death is ones that you should examine. Ones that help you work towards a sense of meaning, the feeling of happiness, and the minimization of suffering. So I'll leave you with this quote from Ernest Becker to kind of end the episode today because I want you to contemplate this. Man is literally split in two. He has an awareness of his own splendid uniqueness and that he sticks out of nature with a towering majesty. And yet he goes back into the ground a few feet in order to blindly and dumbly rot and disappear forever. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, please check out those links below to help support the show. And peace.